Welcome back to a Brewery Explorers podcast. My name is Noah Jones, and I am joined, as always, by my favorite drinking buddies, Eric Bergeser and Blake Longfellow. Boys, how are we doing? Doing great. Doing well. Yeah, that's awesome. Blake, happy birthday, man. Thank you. We got to go and visit you, sort of do a, a small tour to Dayton, and I had a great time, and I know that you did too. What was your favorite brewery that we went to? Unfortunately, the my favorite brewery we went to, you guys weren't with me, was uh, Branch and Bone. Oh, Their nice. beers are always solid and nice. And, gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. And I got experience up in a little bigger last Saturday with uh, the, it was a Cascale Festival by uh, Second Ship Brewing out of St. Louis, Missouri, mm. where they brought all these brewers in. They had these different casks and barley yeah. wines and different stuff. It was so neat. Very cool. That sounds really it's cool. It's one of the, I've been to different beer festivals, but I've never been to a beer festival where you paid one entry fee and mm-hmm. then they gave you a glass and just said, good luck, go try whatever <laughs> you want to do. Um, how much you want, it's up to you. It's like, I bet Ohio can never do that. That's yeah. Awesome. <laughs> That's really funny. Eric, you went Hello. to Nashville recently. We both missed National Chili Day, which is very, very rare for both of us who are huge Skyline Chili fans. I know. I was in a, actually in a guitar shop and the one guy, he came up to us, the salesman, he's like, where are you guys from? And I was like, oh, we're from the Cincinnati area. He's just like, I need you to come over here and see this. So he took us over to his uh, work desk mm-hmm. and he had a can of Skyline Chili there. He oh, said, he, wow. yep, he said him and his wife used to tour play um, around Cincinnati all the time. Wow. So well, he that still was- had a love for Skyline Chili and I was like, I'm missing it this weekend with it. Being yeah. the week, you know, but it's still <laughs> yeah. a great time. That's too bad. And I'm wondering if our guest is a Skyline Chili fan. He's one of the newest hires for Sonder Brewing. He's the director of brewing operations at Sonder Brewing. He's a content creator, and his name is Adam Mills. Adam, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. I, I feel a little bad. I, I moved to Ohio in 2020, and I was unversed in the... First of all, what Cincinnati chili is. Mm. Um, the first time I ordered it, I was working long hours helping to get cartridge brewing off the ground. My wife texted me and asked what I wanted for dinner. The kids wanted to go to Skyline. And so <laughs> I said, get me a bowl of chili. Now I'm realizing that that was the wrong thing to do because <laughs> yeah. when I posted Too a picture, <laughs> when I posted a picture <laughs> of that bowl of chili in the the, the newly minted company Slack, uh, the thing blew up, uh, and they told me how I was living my life wrong. Oh, no. um, and what all, did you all order the various ways. It was literally just a bowl of chili. Oh, and like it was no there was noodles, not, yeah, 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 yeah. There was nothing else involved, and uh, they were thoroughly disappointed in me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, my dad gets it with a baked potato which I see now would be really good for people who are gluten intolerant. And they also do uh, like chili cheese fries, which Mm -hmm. is an incredible and very obvious sort of spinoff of Skyline Chili. But I've always been a chili four-way fan with bean. Regular three-way for me. Yeah. (laughs) Always like three cheese conies with everything on and cheese fries. Cheese fries. Mm -hmm. Blake always has the cheese fries. Yes, always. (laughs) So, Adam, tell us a little bit about um, sort of what you do here as a director of brewing operations at Sonder Brewing. What are some of your responsibilities here? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it, it's a little different when you're uh, typically when I've uh, started at places, you know, it, it's very early on. There's a lot of recipe creation and everything like that. 
But coming into Sonder, Sonder is a, a really it's it's a well established, uh, smooth running machine. Uh, Chase uh, Legler, uh, one of the one of the founders and in uh, in Maine Brewer here, um, you know he came from New Glarus um, and just has a really, really great background uh, on the operations side um, from an engineering standpoint and an equipment standpoint. And so I was coming into a situation where there wasn't some like massive emergency to fix, right? So really what it is, is it's a little bit more of, I'm going to be, I'm, I'm taking some of the things off of his plate as far as people management, and then also developing kind of a path, uh, a training path, growth path for our employees as we as we continue to grow onboard people and things like that. So, so is it sort of like a, um, is it a brand new position then or is it? Yeah. He actually hired me into his old, I see his old title. Cool. 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 So, so you, it sounds like you're sort of responsible in, or at least tasked with creating like a growth plan for the future of Saunders, like make sure that it continues growing. Yeah. And especially from a staffing uh, perspective. Yeah, so um, I'm spending a lot of time on, well, one, I'm, I'm spending time, I'm spending about half my time on the floor actually doing brewing work, whether I'm on the brew deck or in the cellar. And then beyond that kind of uh, looking at our SLPs, our standard operating procedures, and developing uh, some training manuals and potentially some training videos that would accompany those, um, because that's really the heart and soul of what we're doing. You know, the, the main idea is, is we should all be replicating a task the way that Chase would, right? Because okay. that was Chase was doing all the things at first when yeah. they opened. And now when you start adding staff, you need to be able to multiply those people that carry out duties in that way and it's 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 one of the it's one of the main you know drivers behind quality right right so yeah so for the people that don't really know sunder what do you know the background know how they got started and why they chose mason as their very first hub yeah yeah absolutely so um yeah jen justin and chase uh ended up um starting sonder and as i mentioned before so Chase came from uh, New Glarus, so Wisconsin, um, moved here. That's why, you know, we have a beer called You Betcha and, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But Chase had a really fascinating path in the industry with New Glarus, you know. Um, I believe at the time, and, and maybe still, New Glarus is just distributed uh, distributed in Wisconsin. But it's, it's got quite a reputation, you know. It's, it's, always, it's always fun to be able to get your hands oh, yeah. on their beers. Blake and I have had a supplier take it across state lines yeah. for us. Definitely, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> Spotted Cows is definitely one of those, one of my favorite cream meals. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, they make great beer. And and so, you know, Chase started right after high school and then worked there his entire brewing career and just worked his way up the ladder from, you know, sweeping floors and, and you know, uh, tail end stuff of the canning line and, and all the way up to lead brewer. And that's what gave him the skill set to, to do this. And so uh, he ended up connecting uh, with Jen and Justin, uh, who were in the area here. Um, and, uh, and they figured they'd give it a go. So, yeah. Cool. Well, I'm thirsty and we have this beautiful flight in front of us. Can we start with the first beer? Yeah. The first beer is Voss. Voss is a German style Kolsch. Um, just kind of a little background on it. There's, 
The yeast strain used to ferment Kolsch is sometimes known as a hybrid strain, and it's really because it's kind of halfway between a lager strain and an ale strain. So your ales are going to want to be in the the upper 60 degrees F, lager strains closer to 50. Um, But this is done high 50s, low 60s, Um, and it it produces a a, a very clean, crisp, lager-like beer. Um, and it has its it has its own unique profile, um, and uh, it's just a it's just a it's it's just a classic beer, and it's it's a palette for some other beers that we do. We also have when I, before I worked here, the beer I would always order when I came in was was Cato, which is a coffee version okay, of this. this. And, and very, very good. I always loved it because yeah. the the co- and especially as a brewer myself coming in. The, the, the coffee is so bright. I always like that fresh bag of coffee owns, that you get off that. They own or are they partners with the coffee company? They partnered with Script. Okay. I've had um, their, yeah. their coffee before because I'm, I'm a journalist at heart. So I, I thought that it was really fun to drink Script coffee as I was yeah. writing podcast scripts oh, for yeah, Audible. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I really like their beer. I got it at Coffee Fest or whatever mm-hmm. it's called, the coffee festival downtown mm-hmm. in Cincinnati. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we do we do a wide range of things, um, and we, we've got a, a pretty fun lineup today. We've starting off with Kolsch, we got a little Bach, we've got our hazy IPA, and then a a fun uh, double barrel aged barley wine coming up. So we'll have some good things to talk about. Definitely yeah. excited about that one. Yeah, for sure. We knew you would be. We knew you would be. <laughs> what was your introduction to the craft beer world? Yeah, so for me, we started. Uh, I started home brewing. Um, my wife and I, when we were, when we were newly married, we started doing an Oktoberfest party just cause you know, it's kind of getting into holiday season and it was a good way to get friends together. Right. Mm-hmm. As opposed to, you have all these obligations to family yeah. and, and was so, this in Michigan. Yeah. Michigan? Yep, back okay. in Michigan. And so, uh, after one of those, you know, the rule was bring some German food and bring some German beer. And that was, you know, <laughs> do your thing. And, uh, and then we were talking, uh, as my friends were going out the door one, one, uh, one Oktoberfest, my buddy said, you should make the beer for next year's. And that had never dawned on me. And there was a great homebrew shop, uh, in the Grand Rapids area called Sicilianos. And, uh, you could go in there and get hooked up with everything. And, uh, I found out that I could do homebrewing competitions and I could judge uh, beer and I was, uh, and I was hooked. And Grand was Rapids hooked. is just like, it's a great, if you want, like oh, yeah. beer, it's a great yeah. place to go. Yeah. Yeah. Grand Rapids <laughs> has a great scene. Yeah. yeah. Grand Rapids is a great beer scene. Absolutely. So let's also talk about the Adam makes beer content that you do. I'm assuming that that's separate than Sonder, but I, I saw it all over your LinkedIn page. So talk to us a little bit about your thoughts about that. So in uh, 2020, I decided I decided to start recording in brewery uh, educational brewing content because when I moved here, I kind of lost my network of people in, in the industry that I was, uh, you know, at least geographically close to, and so I started going to YouTube because I mean, really, YouTube is essentially Google at this point for finding out how to do things. And there just wasn't a lot of what I was looking for. And I thought that there was space, one, that there was space to actually make that content um, and that there that there may be some that that there may be some demand for it. And also it scratched an itch for me because the first 10 years of my career, I was a teacher. Uh, I taught high school uh, social studies uh, to at-risk kids for for 10 years. And um, so, yeah, it was kind of a it was kind of a, a fit. And and I wanted to be able to show 
you know, the behind the scenes, um, I want it to feel like you were doing like a brewer for the day experience. And, uh, and, and the response has been really positive. Um, you know, I, I talk to when I go to conferences, a lot of new people coming into the industry um, have found it helpful and useful. Um, it's a real passion project for me, um, both when I was I was working at Cartridge at the time. So if you see in brewery content on my channel, it is at Cartridge, and I've done a little bit here at Sonder, but but not that much. Um, and then that kind of expanded into a couple of monthly live streams. So with the live stream Q and A, um, pro brewers and home brewers will give me questions, and I just we just talk for a couple hours, um, cool. taking doing Q and A, and yeah. then I do a monthly industry pro interview where I talk to another brewer. Just it's just one of those things, like you know, what we love to do is have a beer, talk about it and, and get into the nitty gritty stuff. And I remember thinking years ago, like, I feel like there's some, some value to that. Just a couple of brewers talking about how they're accomplishing what they are in that beer. And so that's where that came from. Definitely. It's good Mm -hmm. to, I think, at least from an authority standpoint, have that as like content that you can prove to people that you know what you're doing sort of stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. And Um, also, I think also helps maybe start uh, someone that's just starting out. You know, as because I've homebrewed here and there, you know, sometimes I got questions and stuff, and sometimes your best source is just asking a brewer, hey, what would yeah. you do at this point? And, yeah. Know, yeah. Even though I don't do it nearly as much as I would love to. Sure. But it's just something sure. that's been the neat hot, and they're a neat hobby of mine. Of course, I'm the beer guy. Yeah. So yeah. It fits right in what I do, but yeah. I well, enjoy it. Last time we spoke to Jared with Ailmatic, and he said, you know, one of the biggest mistakes that homebrewers make is they over, over, brew or not over brew in like like an over baking type of way but they do too many steps trying to be too fancy or too cute and i think that learning from like real brewers that's not what you do can be really impactful for someone who thinks they're doing something right but maybe they're putting in too much effort (laughs) that they they don't need to do that you know what i mean especially from a recipe standpoint i think sometimes we get like this beautiful complex beer in front of us and then you you see all the ingredients you can use and you're and you end up using some sort of kitchen sink type thing when when really uh you can actually go you know far more austere in your recipe creation um and those those subtleties will just express themselves you know so yeah so as the director of brewing operations, you probably don't do much actual brewing here, do you? I do. Oh, okay, uh, I, I still I, I'll, I still do uh, days on the brew deck um, and still still very hands on. Okay. Probably about half of my time, um, I'm actually working on the floor in the brewery. Um, and then the other half, I'm, I, I'm doing some uh, managerial things. Gotcha. Okay. Very cool. Very I cool. got to imagine that's something that you like doing too, like you... I'm assuming once you got the niche to brew, you kind of just want to keep yeah. doing it, or is it times you get tired of it? Or well, you know, I mean, have a balance. Well, sure, and, and you know, at, at this point too, you know, I'm 46, and <laughs> what we do is manual labor, you right. know, and so uh, it is nice to not full time, you know, always be doing. Uh, you know, we've got some, I've got some guys down there that I have work some with time that to are rest lower back that are like <laughs> 20 years younger than me. And I was just realizing, I'm like, that's like a whole nother lifetime of somebody that can almost drink legally. And that's how much younger they are than me. So it, it is nice to be able to do that. But then, you know, the flip side is, is, and, and one of the things that I really enjoy 
and I think also goes back to the to the teaching element too. I I also like to help people to try to have a bigger understanding of if you want this to be your job, it can be your job. But if you want to make this a career, you have to approach this a certain way, right? Um, and so yeah, and then there's I also take that tact with with my YouTube channel as well. And yeah, also, I was actually know. gonna say it's a great sort of transition from teaching in school to being able to do that with yeah your yeah because i mean that's the that's the stuff that's actually satisfying right you know what i mean like you like i always thought when i first started doing it well i want to make great beer i want to win awards and then that's like the end goal um and you can get really unhappy in a hurry with Mm -hmm. that as your goal but when you actually realize oh well you know i'm helping to train people into this industry you know i'm I'm helping people with their career outlook that's that that's far more satisfying at the end of the day than yeah, the, the human aspect of it, you know. So with Cincinnati University coming on with their home brewing, do you see a mixture of people that are still home brewers getting into breweries or is people going straight to college for this or is it even balance? Yeah, you know, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting industry because there is there is such a there is such a heavy uh, apprenticeship type overtone to being able to get in. You know what I mean? If if you're willing to go uh ground level and and work your way up. There's a lot of breweries that will hire like that. Um, I think that it's always helpful to have made beer out at home because you're, you're, especially from the recipe development standpoint, because that's when you're going to be trying on your own different ingredients, understanding those. You'll be able to understand what the brewery itself is making and, and what those things do, but to have the real ability to experiment and, and, and learn on a deeper level, it does help to homebrew. Obviously, there's a, a lot of brewing programs that have popped up uh, all over the U.S., um, and, and I think that there's definitely a benefit to that as well. Um, there are some places that that do want you to have some level of education. I've always encouraged people that if you have the ability to uh, get in ground floor, um, it's good to at least get paid for a while to find out if this is where you want to be, um, because that is... You, you, you never want to be in a situation where you're at the end of your degree and you realize that you don't want to be doing this for a living. So if, if you can get some if you can get some on the job training, if you can actually make money uh, while you're finding out if you want to be on that path, I think that's smart, too. But I would never I would never tell anybody that that's a bad idea to, to go the education route. Either. Yeah, that's a great great idea i'm very pro being paid for your work too so yeah <laughs> i like that a lot uh so uh the weather outside is warm i didn't wear a coat today for the first time since the ball dropped in january that's for sure uh but that also means that it's now getting close to march this is our march episode for bach festival and um you know sonder is uh well sonder was a sponsor last year mm-hmm. of bach festival Bach Fest is how the, the real people call it. Um, but, uh, you know, you, you aren't sponsoring it this year, but you guys are still making William Goat, yep, yep. which is the next beer on our flight. And I was yeah. really hoping you could sort of talk to us a little bit about what Bach Fest is and yeah. sort of help people understand what it is. Because I'm not from Cincinnati. I didn't grow up drinking Bach beer, yeah. but here we are drinking it now. Yeah, it's a, I mean, there, there's a tremendous amount of passion uh, for Bach beer uh, around Cincinnati and, and not being from the area myself. It, it's it's something cool to see. And when I when I taught high school, I taught history. And this is this is one of those historical styles that I just absolutely love. Um, 
it's super approachable that they are they are big they are bigger beers you know they are seven percent beers and whatnot and some bigger because you can get into doppelbach and whatnot but you know the real classic doppelbach is just this this densely toasty bready rich and then with 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 a lower bitterness that helps to imply uh, a little bit deeper sweetness with it as well and uh but one of my one of my favorite things is, I mean, it's still intended to be drank in a liter, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like, you have to maintain drinkability. Some some of the things that we do as American brewers is we take a classic style and then make it bigger, and that's great. Um, but you can also at times lose some drinkability by bigger. You, do you the mean higher um, ABV, okay, sweeter? That's making it more bold, you know, um, and I always love classic interpretations of this beer style, which William Goat is. Um, and it's just that it's just that big uh, malt showcase, uh, toasty edges of caramel, um, just enough bitterness to balance. It's a uh, it's a style that I, that I absolutely yeah, you love. Haven't, you yeah. haven't stopped smiling since you started talking <laughs> know, about it. So uh <laughs> Tell us a little bit about, because it's a very historic beer, as you just said. Why do you think it is? Is it the Germanic heritage, you think, that yeah, brings yeah. it into Cincinnati so prevalently? Yeah, I, I think so. And, you know, um, I have a, a buddy of mine that lives a little bit. I, I live out in the sticks. He lives a little bit closer to downtown. But, you know, the the German the German history and heritage here is really runs deep. One Something that is interesting, there's... Old St. Mary's downtown, I think, is one of a, a few churches left in the country where you can actually go and hear German mass. Um, so they actually speak German in mass, which is which is pretty cool. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I mean, the, those those roots run deep. Uh, absolutely. absolutely. Well, yeah, I think you see that when Oktoberfest comes to town. Too. Sure. Um, sure. When is Bachfest? It's coming up this weekend. That's right. It's coming up this first weekend. Be- first people- full weekend of March is what the people online are saying. So I don't actually have a date in my head of what when that is but yeah we'll publish this day after tomorrow so i guess if you're listening to this we recorded it yesterday Absolutely. but but yeah so the first weekend the first full weekend of march is when it is yeah yeah i know this beer has been uh so popular for you guys that you had to do something for us today just to yeah. Try it. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going to have to make more uh, next year. Uh, it's it's been it's been flying out the doors for us here because we we have the, the two tap rooms where you can come in and get beer on draft. But also you can, um, you know, we, we sell uh, to gig accounts uh, around really all over the state. And uh, we, we've had a definitely a, a, a spike in interest in that beer around this time of year. So. Uh, we, we just have that beer in can right now and, and we're running low. So we're gonna have to make some, uh, larger volume next year. You're not going to be at the, at the festival. No, we're not a sponsor. You'll have uh, other people serving William Goat. Um, William Goat might be around at some of the area bars, but we're not formally, uh, in, in Bachfest. Cool. Cool. Go ahead. Cause you know, it's a weird, when I first started in the, my first couple of boxes, like I didn't like it, but now it's like maybe because I'm just getting older, sure. it's just becoming better and I'm enjoying it. I think that's also a thing with the crap beard that you see today is that you see these generations that are getting older, but they're also going down a little bit and liking the traditional styles. Are you seeing that yep. as well? I think so. And and I know when I first started getting into home brewing and craft beer, you know, I wanted the biggest, most outrageous beers I could get my hands on. And then kind of as time went 
as time goes by, I was looking for something a, a little bit more, a little bit more simple, maybe something uh, that lends itself to to two pints rather than one, um, something that can be a bit more on the refreshing side and balanced side. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's a, I think that's a, a really natural progression. Definitely. And I agree. I mean, there's still some days I just want the heavy stuff, but also at the same time, I don't, I still like being able to drink a beer and be able to go home not without crashing on Noah's couch right. because it was too heavy. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't. Absolutely. <laughs> but, but also, but you were talking about your second location. So how did Westchester come up for you guys? And was there any concerns going into a second location or you feel like you were like, we were going to be okay, especially with Westchester being that it's, I feel like it's one of the, highest growing places in Cincinnati because you're always seeing yep. things open. Yeah. You know, Bash Pro Shop just opened up and it's, it just keeps getting bigger yeah. in there. Literally shared parking lot basically with with Bass, Bass Pro. Pro. So Shop, yeah. it, 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 it's it's right there. Uh you can see top top golf from mm-hmm. right there. Yeah. And so Westchester and I, I think the the really easy answer is it is that place that's that's growing so much. We have uh, a really solid support base there. Um and it was and it was it was a good fit for us, you know, from a from a business standpoint, you know, the most profitable thing we do is sell pints of beer in house. You know, when when we sell a keg out to distro, um, it's 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 a different level of margin. Right. Um, and so having another location like that is a, is 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 a plus on that side. But it also is an opportunity to uh, we're running our own kitchen. Uh, there as well, and we've nice. been able to do uh, a, a wide range of wide range of food there. Um, I've eaten over there a few times. Uh, they're they're doing a great job. Cool stuff. Um, a, a I've little bit by it many times, and it always looks packed. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it, it, it's a great spot. It, it's it's a great spot, and uh, so we're, we're really excited about it. Really, just uh, late last year uh, that it opened. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, you definitely see a lot of breweries nowadays opening their they used to have like a partner or a food truck and now they're like going hey we, we can create food you keep i think that's just a natural progression of breweries that said hey we would never have food they were like okay we're having food trucks and then they were like oh, okay i guess we're making our own food now yeah and and i think it's some of that natural evolution i i think as the craft beer scene is maturing um you have to do potentially more things than you did in the past. Um, you know, sometimes you could get away with, and, and, and a lot of people do and probably will continue to, uh, you know, have great partnerships formed with food trucks um, and things like that. But that, that can be a difficult thing too. You know what I mean? Um, with finding them, um, finding good partnerships with them because that's a, it's, it's a whole nother layer, right? Um, because it's not like, it's not like they're your employees, Right. That's so yeah, totally. It, yeah. You're not, you don't have to rely on, I think, I think if you're, if you have your own kitchen and your own staff, you can yes. guarantee your customers will have something to eat. Whereas if you're depending on a food truck, you can't always assume they'll be yeah. there or the customer will always want to eat what's there. Sure. And then, and sure. Uh, this, this actually is sort of what um, Crooked Handle told us during our first season, you know, they were basically saying that like, you know, if a, it's better to have someone in your tap room than have to go somewhere else to eat and then potentially not come back. Right. And so I think in a lot of ways, the breweries that are like, like mad tree who just opened up their own kitchen or, or, you know, Sonder Mm -hmm. 
or mm-hmm. all the other ones that we that we can talk about, I think that they're making the smartest play by making sure or almost mandating that customers are are knowledgeable of what it is they could have before they even mm-hmm. drive here. You know what I mean? And, and I do think too. I think there's a there, there's a larger and larger push as you know, and I used the term before, but it was what Bart Watson said, uh, who's the chief economist for the Brewers Association. The 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 industry is maturing. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not a rocket ship to the moon anymore. The growth is not going straight up anymore. And uh, I was listening to an interview a couple of years ago, I believe, with some folks from other half, and they were saying that they're in the hospitality industry. And I think a lot of times people think, oh, well, if, if you have great beer, you're going to be fine. But there's there's layers to what it takes to to do this business well. Right. Um, great beer doesn't fix your accounting. Um, <laughs> it does, you, you know what I mean? Different things like that. So that mindset of saying that it is a hospitality company, I think, speaks more broadly to the entire experience that somebody can have when they come to your place. Gotcha. I was, um, so we had this guy named Denny. He was a graphic designer for us. Uh, he made our logo. Shout um, out to he, Denny. Denny, yeah. He's a, a 50, 50 year old dad now. But uh, so he has, for drinking purposes, he will go to Kroger and mm-hmm. try some stuff. So he, he contacted me one day. He's like, I had this beer at Kroger. He's like, it was amazing. He's like, it's someplace near Kings Island, Sanders, something like that. Or something. <laughs> He's like, you, you gotcha or something. I was like, it's you betcha. I'm Sander. I was like, it's a great beer. Yeah, thank so you. That's the next one we're trying. What a great transition. Yeah, that was very good. I'll cheers to that. <laughs> so yeah, you betcha is our is our hazy IPA. And you know, I mean, hazy has really taken over the scene um the last the last several years. And um and I, the way I like to look at Hazy IPA, and especially towards trends um, over the last several years, I think there's an increased demand for approachable beer. Okay. okay. And that can come in many shapes and sizes. But I think that Hazy IPA is kind of, it is, it's the approachable IPA. Um, a lot of times when we talk about IPA and we talk about hoppiness, or this beer is too hoppy for me, um, you know, there's three elements to quote unquote hoppiness. There's hop flavor, hop aroma, and hop bitterness, right? I think there are some people uh, that do not enjoy bitterness as much as some others, right? But I think flavor and aroma, people can really appreciate because we can get these beautiful tropical botanical notes off of hops. Um, and and New England IPA is is kind of the, the, the poster boy for that. And so, uh, you know, for us, it's a, it's a six and a half percent hazy. And so it's going to be, you know, that golden color, the gold is bolstered by the haze. Um, but it's soft, round, tropical. We use Citra in that beer. Um, and it's just, it has kind of this nice OJ type approachability to the beer. And, uh, it's just super drinkable. Yeah. It's my favorite hazy IPA in the Cincinnati area. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Good to hear. Yep. Yeah. So, but speaking of other beers, um, you do a lot of beers for Kings Island. Mm -hmm. Like, why don't you take over here? 
this is definitely a special place in my heart because I've been going there since '99. So, nice. so how did and, the, and getting gold passes, gold like passes every year. which <laughs> I failed to do it this year, but I'll, I'll still go. Wait, you've been going here since 1999, Kings Island. Kings Island. Oh, I Sorry. thought you meant Sonder. <laughs> I was like, I think you just you turned dream, 30. You had the dream. I remember my parents took me there right when Sun and Beast opened. That's when I got thrown that. But tell tell us about the marketing with Kings Island and how that all came out because that's an awesome venue because you always see places going to like sporting arenas and stuff like that mm-hmm. but you don't really hear about the amusement park business and yeah. i also know like growing up and going to king's island blue ice cream was a huge thing and the first beer you guys made with them was the blue ice cream beer yeah yeah and so yeah blue ice cream was what was a big hit and, and all those have gone over well it's, it, it's been a really fun partnership i think it's one of those things you know obviously we have proximity to the park um but it, it's one of those things when when you can combine what you like to do at the brewery with uh, you know, that almost like that collaborative type concept with taking some things that, uh, that the theme park is known for, uh, and then, and then finding fun things to do with beer from that. Um, you know, it's, it's something where it's interesting for the brew house to, uh, tackle challenges like that. Um, and then again, it's just, it's just a, it's just a beneficial, beneficial relationship. So did they reach out to you guys or did you reach out to them? You know, I'm not certain. I'm not certain how that went. Um, I, if I had to guess, I would say that we reached out, um, because we have some, we have some great people on the sales and marketing side but uh not completely sure but yeah we've been doing some stuff uh we've been doing some things with them for for years now and uh so because i like i said the blue ice cream the the one you guys did for orion was mm-hmm. that was a really good lager in this last one but i really enjoyed that one too because it because the strawberry but you had that yeah. like funnel cake it actually tastes exactly what it says is and that's one of my favorite things about my about my favorite breweries are when they say something, it tastes like something it actually does taste yeah. like, you know? Yeah. Definitely. I do. I do remember drinking the strawberry funnel cake last year and just tasting the topping of strawberry jam or jelly yeah, right? on the syrup. Yeah. Oh yeah. But yeah, no, it was very, very true yeah. to its name for sure. sure. Do you guys have something in the works this year? Uh, yeah, actually we are. Um, we, I, it, it looks like we're going to be doing, uh, take another swing at, uh, blue ice cream this year. Oh, nice. Um, okay. So, uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know how, uh, it might be a little bit of a scoop, but yeah. Oh, no, no pun intended. I talk a lot, and sometimes when you just say enough words, one yeah. comes out at the right time. We are but, glad uh, to be interviewing you. Yeah. I told you beforehand that this was not going to be a CNN interview. <laughs> Guess what? <laughs> it is. Now, That's now, awesome. with the, you awesome. guys being in Kings Island and Cedar Fair being this huge amusement park chain, have you guys ever thought about reaching out to like Cedar Fair, trying to get it to go all over or yeah, I'm, I'm not certain. Uh, I, I think for right now we, we kind of like that, that local partnership and uh, yeah, it's one of those things where it's um, I, you know, I think one of the, one of the big craft beer things is that, yeah, you know, um, putting down, putting down roots uh, and connecting, uh, connecting with the community around you. So yeah. Now, do you also see like a trend since you've been doing that? that people from the park comes back over to try it or yeah, yeah that stuff that stuff always plays out well definitely definitely okay i've been excited about this fourth beer so tell us because i love barrel age i love barley wines everything in it so 
So a, a tip of the hat to uh, a couple guys in the brewery, uh, Jeff and Matt, which uh, which are, are they've really taken over uh, the barrel program, and this is this is a uh, double barrel aged. Uh, barley wine so it would be family tradition uh, is the base barley wine and then uh, and so when we say double barrel age typically we'll have a barrel a beer in barrel for anywhere from you know 10 to 24 months okay Um, and I think the best way to think about a barrel when you're thinking about barrel aging a beer is a barrel is an ingredient it's going to give you the character of the spirit and then it's often going to add notes of vanilla, coconut, sometimes uh, deeper roasted notes, things like that. So um, as a beer is in a barrel, it's extracting flavor and aromas from that barrel. So over time, that barrel has less capacity for flavor infusion, right? So when you double barrel age something like this, you're putting it into a fresh barrel again. And so you're able to magnify that, the, that, that barrel characteristic. Um, in, in a beer like this. So is yeah. there certain barrels you like using for this or you're not allowed to say what well, you Well, we, we have a, we've got a wide range. Um, the specific barrels that went, uh, that went into this beer, I'm unsure of, uh, Matt and Jeff would definitely know. Um, but we have anything from, uh, you know, Buffalo trace barrels to, um, I know we have some peach brandy barrels down there right now. We have, uh, what were some of the other cool ones? We just got uh, some vanilla extract barrels, um, some rum barrels. So those blends can come from a from a wide variety, uh, wide variety of spirits and, and things like that. So. Now, how does it work if you do a barrel of Buffalo Trace or Jack Daniels or mm-hmm. whoever? Do you have to like give them some money because you're using? there i mean i know this is really deep in the weeds but i'm just sort of wondering how that would work from a business standpoint do you have to like share the profits because you're using their label to attract potential bourbon drinkers yeah and i i think that's uh, there's there's kind of a line there where um i don't believe i don't believe that like that stuff officially goes on so we end up buying the barrel um directly from the supplier that's the idea because all those barrels can only be used once gotcha all right so especially if you're talking about well especially bourbon right so bourbon is a single use new i believe heavy char barrel maybe it's medium char but um, american oak and so they age their spirit in that they empty it and then they don't have another use for it and so it creates the secondhand market where craft breweries will come get those, well, get those barrels wet. So they're still fully hydrated and not leaking. When you pull that, that bung on it and look in there, you love to see that football shape worth of uh, spirits in there. Um, and then you get them purged with, with CO2 and you, you, you get your beer in there. Um, and then you, and then you wait. Um, so, yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, cool. So we are we are running out of questions here. We're sort of at the at the picket line, or no, at the finish line. I guess is really what, what I meant to say. Um, I guess I have I have politics on my brain. Um, <laughs> We're seeing uh, it. The, We're like seeing it. That's right. right. Yeah, that's, right. that's, that's right. exactly what it was. Yeah. That's right. Um, are are is, is Sonder working on anything new? Whether it's a new beer or any new events that are exciting that you want to tell us about. Yeah, so we are going to have a really uh, exciting festival this July. Um, it's going to be a fruit beer festival. Oh, we're going to there have, you go, Noah. You have my attention. We're going to have live music. 
Um, and uh, we're real details on that will be will be coming out soon. Um, but yeah, and then you know we always do our Oktoberfest here in the fall. Uh, we have plans of uh, ramping up. So we have our, our essentially our thirty barrel system, and then we also have a, a fifth, some fifteen barrel tanks that we can do half batches in, and that is our fresh picks um section of the brewery where we do a uh, smaller run limited release stuff we're going to be doing uh some more of that this coming year uh to keep uh to keep some new and uh innovative things coming out of that small batch program uh so yeah there's there, there's there's just always stuff coming up next so so talk gotcha. to us about your Oktoberfest because i've heard a lot about it but it's because it's after the big one in Cincinnati yeah. that some people might not really know about. Yeah. I've heard a lot about. They do. We, we have a, it's a big event here. We, we, there's, there's a lot of folks uh, that come here for it. Uh, we have a, a whole lineup of beers and in, 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 including obviously our, our Oktoberfest. And uh, I don't know. It's, it, it's just a good time. Um, I think, I mean, at least a few thousand people uh, come through, um, wow. and uh, it, it, it's just a good time. There's food. Um, I know uh, Chase preps up a, a, a special, a special wooden barrel that uh, they that they tap on site and pour pints wow. off of, and uh, yeah, it's just a good time. It's just a good time. One thing I've noticed when we were talking about festivals and stuff like that is that you know you got the two major ones, but you have oh, sorry. You have a lot of these smaller ones, like I sent him a message the other day about this Oakley Fest, but you see all these other festivals starting to build. Do you think that's a trend that's going to keep growing and growing in Cincinnati? Yeah, you know, it, it really could be. I came from the the Michigan craft beer scene is, is has been around for a long time um, and and and. Yeah, it's been around a long time and they have a lot of very well-established festivals. Uh, the Michigan Brewers Guild does uh, their winter their winter beer festival, their summer beer festival, obviously, or, or around the seasons. But, you know, winter beer fest, when it's, you know, when it's zero degrees in Michigan, uh, they'll still put 6,000 people through through that festival wow. in a day. It's wow. unbelievable. It's outside, too. It's 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 wild. Wow. Um, but, you know, I, I always I, I always think there's, you know, there's room for that stuff. Um, um, and anytime you can put together a, you know, a compelling reason uh, to get people together, uh, obviously beer is pretty compelling, but, you know, live music and fun and all that stuff. Yeah, I think there's always room for that. Oh, Eric knows that. Eric's the musician of the group. Oh, yeah. nice. Nice. <laughs> um, so you're sitting at this really cool table with some elbow uh podcast microphones and um, elbow holders. That's what I meant to say. Uh, but so talk to us a little bit about the Sandra Stories podcast, because, um, you know, I think it's really cool. I understand that it's about Sonder people and Sonder stories. Yeah. I'm sorry, Sonder beers. Yeah, no. And, and it's a I think it's a really cool thing that the company decided to start doing uh, when when they were getting rolling. And, you know, the, the, the whole idea behind Sonder is that everybody has their own perspective, their own story. Right. And, and, and it's unique. And I think. And I think it serves very well as a way of finding out the background on anything from the opening of the place to various beers, you know, stories behind names or, or you know, specific styles, things like that. Um, I, I think any time that you can help your consumer base have a have an opportunity to connect to you. 
right? Um, and, and I think the personal side of things, the stories is, is, is what does, you know, help to facilitate that connection. Cool. The last thing that I wanted to make sure that our listeners were able to hear is before we started recording, you were telling us about how Womp Womp, your gluten intolerance was allowing you to drink beer with this uh, sort of, I'm assuming, new uh, way of brewing a gluten-free beer. Yeah. So I, within the last year, I kind of found out that uh, my wife's a nurse and she's smart and she helps me out. And we kind of figured out uh, that I developed a, a gluten intolerance. And so uh, there is a product on the market called uh, Brewer's Clarex, which is actually an enzyme that's added to the fermenter. Um, it does not it does not make it to where you can call the product gluten free or make any guarantees about who can or can't drink it, um, because that's all uh, very, very important, uh, you know, legal things right? sure sure but um for me personally and and the the way my sensitivity to gluten is um i find that when we that when we brew with that with that enzyme it actually breaks down uh the gluten uh molecule and it was originally meant to help make clearer beer and it's kind of this offshoot it, 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 has, it creates a gluten reduced beer so in those instances i can um, have some beers that way. Gotcha. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so it, it's definitely been something that I've had to adjust to. And it's, it, it's good to be able to have uh, a good sized team like we have here too, to be able to get, you know, an, enough noses and palates on, on beers as they go through the process. Super cool. And are you making these beers for public consumption? Um, well, actually, the, the first beer that we used uh, Clarex in was uh, a beer that uh, a, a Munich Dunkel that's actually in fermenter right now. So that'll be the first beer that I'm going to be able to drink since oh, working you're here. So thirsty. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited <laughs> for it. I'm that's, excited for it. Yeah, that's so. great. So tell us, how can people find you specifically? I'm going to ask you this question twice. So first, how can we find Adam Makes Beer? Sure. And then secondly, how can we find Sonder Stories and uh, all the other Sonder content? Definitely. Definitely. Well, uh, if you have interest in any, you know, kind of behind the scenes uh, brewing uh, educational type stuff um, over on Adam Makes Beer on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, uh, I, I release information on all those platforms. I do uh, full full brew day series, um, you know, technique video, tutorial videos things like that. And I do a couple of live stream podcasts every month as well. So you can check those out too. And then as far as Sonder goes, you can uh, follow us on social media uh, at Sonder Brewing, um, at Sonder Tap House, Sonder Stories. Um, those are all great ways to follow along and, and see what we're what we have going on. Great. Well, Adam Mills, Director of Brewing Operations at Sonder Brewing. Go ahead. Okay. Well, sorry. We're sitting here right next to William Goat, a cutout of William Goat, uh -huh. and your very popular Bach beer. So I've been to I've been to Sonder many times. I bought their beer many times. I think we could finish this by saying, "I'll be Bach." <laughs> so Adam, <laughs> so Adam Mills, director of brewing operations at Sonder. Thank you so much for hosting us here at the brewery. We hope to see you at Bachfest. I know we won't, but I wrote it down and I just read it. For we'll sure. be Bach. Sounds good. Bach. Thanks, guys. <laughs>